We've called Dan Tortora inside of the Cafe Kubal Studios, hanging out with you where sports truly meets that thing called life. I hope you're having yourselves a fantastic morning this morning and making the most of your day. I am so happy to be here with you on Wake Up Call in a very special Saturday broadcast. So you know that our show is Monday through Friday from 9 a.m. to 11 a.m. Eastern time and that is where we are every single week this week we decided during championship week i decided to go an extra day here and give you a saturday and with everything going on it made perfect sense to add another day with all the news on jim Beheim retiring after 47 years as well as adrian autry being promoted from associate head coach to head coach and everything that's come from that the official press conference for Adrian Autry, as well as the breaking news exclusive that Alan Griffin, assistant coach of the team, had on my show on Wake Up Call with Dan Tortora yesterday morning, stating that he and Jerry McNamara will remain on the staff and be with Adrian as Adrian takes over and moves forward with the Syracuse Orange Men's Basketball Program into the future. So a lot of crazy, amazing things going on and, and tough moments going on too. You know, people being sad about Bayheim and whatnot, which is completely understandable. You know, people that it's it's going to take some time to. I think it's I think it's funny that, you know, people had such an issue. <laughs> some people had such an issue with Jim Bayheim and couldn't wait for him to leave. And now that Syracuse has moved forward, People have lost their minds as to what they're supposed to do now and how they're supposed to handle this. So, you know, it's just funny how the world works and and how people seem to complain about something and then five minutes later go, oh, no, 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 no. I love that. I love that. I love it so much. So, you know, definitely it's been an interesting week. And normally every single uh, season during conference tournament time, championship week, I call it tourney time talk. I have Syracuse Orange men's basketball alumni on with me all week, no matter what Syracuse does in their respective tournament, dating back to the Big East now into the ACC. Whether they win or lose, I feature Syracuse Orange men's basketball alumni through this entire week. And so I was going to do that no matter what. Little did I know and little did many of us know that this was going to be the moment that Jim Beheim retired. And uh, with that being the moment, I had the opportunity now to celebrate and speak with so many alumni that we were scheduling to have on this broadcast. Now we get to talk about so much more. You know, I was going to talk about the season, the state of the team, this, that, and and whatever. And now here we are to looking at so many different things that are here, right? Alan Griffin and Jerry McNamara remaining on the staff, which Alan, like I said, broke on my show. And then... We have Jim Beheim retiring. We have Adrian Autry taking over. We have so many things to go through that I get to celebrate with the alumni of Syracuse Orange Men's Basketball. So very excited that today, in just a few minutes here, we're going to be joined by our first guest inside of the Cafe Kubal Studios, and that's going to be inside of MonPazPopcorn.com's What's Poppin'. Sonny Spira is going to be joining me here on Wake Up Call with Dan Tortora. And I'm very, very ecstatic for uh, the opportunity to speak with him, as well as Gene Waldron and J.B. Reefsnyder this morning. They're all going to be joining me to talk on Jim Beheim, 47 years, being their coach, being so many 
players coaches over almost five decades now. So we'll talk about, you know, Jim Beheim with each of them and get their thoughts on Beheim and get their thoughts on his final press conference, his final game, and then, you know, his most recent words and, and stepping forward. And so you'll get to hear from Sonny Spira and then Gene Waldron right around at 9.45 a.m. Eastern Time and J.B. Reefsnyder at 10.30 a.m. Eastern Time. They will all join me to give their thoughts on Jim Beheim's retirement after 47 years. We will also be discussing Adrian Autry taking over the program and Syracuse then and now, as well as their take on Jerry McNamara and Alan Griffin staying with the team, which again was breaking news on Wake Up Call with Dan Tortora. Right after Adrian Autry's press conference, I asked Alan Griffin. He came onto the show for an exclusive special, and we spoke about a lot of different things, his hopes of players returning to the team, how much the team actually knew about Jim Beheim's retirement and the plan to hire Adrian Autry. And we also get into the fact that Alan Griffin stated on my show specifically and clearly that he and Jerry McNamara will be returning to the team as assistant coaches. And obviously that leaves open a spot and we'll see who's going to be filling that spot, which I'm excited. And I have some thoughts on, on who could fill that spot. And maybe some of these gentlemen this morning will be sharing their thoughts on who can fill that spot as well. So a lot of great stuff coming up here where sports meets life on wake up call with Dan Tortora inside of the Cafe Kubal studios in Cafe Kubal on 3501 James Street, 324 West Water Street, 401 South Salina Street. Those are all in Syracuse, New York. You'll also find them by going to 343 Fayette Street in Manlius, New York, and by going to the corner of Route 11 and Taft Road to Sweetheart Corners in North Syracuse to their drive-through location. So however you find them, I thank you so much for heading off to Cafe Kubal and supporting local, filling your cup upright, and knowing that a cup of coffee, a cup of tea, a cup of chai goes a long way in central New York. So thank you so much for everybody that's giving back to our community by supporting the wonderful people that support us here on Wake Up Call with Dan Tortora, where sports meets that thing called life. So a lot of great stuff coming up here today, and I am so excited about this trio of Syracuse Orange Men's Basketball alumni that are going to be joining me to give their take on everything going on with Syracuse basketball. Like I said, we were going to talk about the season. We were going to talk about the future. We were going to talk about so many different things. And then, you know, here we are with Jim Beheim announcing his retirement and Adrian Autry taking over the program. So we have obviously a lot more to talk about on top of what we already anticipated. And I'm excited to do it with these gentlemen. But before we go there, I want to give a very heartfelt congratulations to the Oswego State Lakers men's basketball team for defeating number one seeded Randolph Macon on the road to advance to the elite eight of the NCAA division three tournament. Incredible. This has been a fantastic season. It's been a wonderful season and I am so proud. And I actually wanted to show you guys this because this is how much I believe in my buddy Jason Leone and his team and what he's doing at Oswego. So this season has been an awesome season thus far, and they've done an incredible job. Well, I decided to get myself – well, I did this a long time ago, but then we'll talk about something I did recently. So this is my Oswego State Lakers hat. Now, I love this hat because growing up as a kid – 
I had hats like this for the Charlotte Hornets and the Orlando Magic and where the logo went all the way over. So this is my Laker hat that I have. And then I bought this, went out and I bought it when I went to the game, when they advanced to the Sweet 16, I bought this because it has on the back of it the entire field in the NCAA Division Three men's basketball tournament. And right here, where are they? Right here on the top, you have Oswego State. And so they're they're in this upper, let me see here, they're in this upper corner. And so I bought this. It's the first time I ever bought a Division Three bracket shirt. And I bought it because I believe that this year, the Oswego State Lakers could very well do it. So I got it for a reason. It's sitting here with me. I wore this when I flew down to Greensboro. On, wore that through the airports that I was in and all the way through to Greensboro, North Carolina. So just so you know, Oswego State, you're on my mind, you're in my heart, and I am hoping for you. I am believing in you. I'm excited for you. And I really think that that this could this could be the year. This could be the year. And you know, and like I said, that's why that's why I bought the shirt, because in my head, I feel like this could be the year that they do it. And I want to have a shirt that shows me the field that they go through. So I'm excited for them. They're advancing to the Elite Eight. They're incredible. They're awesome. And I, I just, I don't have enough words to shout out my good friend, Jason Leone, to shout out the wonderful Oswego State as a school and the athletic program, the foot, the basketball program, pardon me, and just everything that they've done. I'm so, so happy to be connected to such a wonderful place and such wonderful people. And I just want to give you all a shout out and say thank you for letting me be a part of this run. Thank you for letting me be a part of the many, many years leading up to this. And I am so very happy for you. So very honored to know you and so very excited about what's to come. So I cannot wait for this. This is going to be awesome. And it's, it, I mean, it's going to be incredible. So this is, this is really a great, great opportunity for Oswego State to do some amazing things and make some wonderful, beautiful history. So I can't wait to see what y'all do next. And I'm definitely looking forward to it. So before we talked about anything with the Syracuse trio, I wanted to officially congratulate the Oswego State Lakers men's basketball team on advancing to the nation's elite eight after taking down one seed Randolph Macon on the road. You guys deserve the accolades. You deserve the flowers. You deserve all the good and uh, positive energy coming your way. And so I send you all my love. I hope the best for you. I'm excited for you. And I can't wait to see what's coming up from here because I truly believe that this can be a very special season that continues to just be amazing. So go out there, have fun, be yourselves, play your game, and know that I'm rooting for you all the way. With that being said, we're going to take a step aside for a fast break on Wake Up Call with Dan Tortoro, where sports meets that thing called life. When I come back, I will be joined by my first of the trio that'll be here today, and that is Sonny Spira joining me here on Wake Up Call with Dan Tortora inside of MonPazPopcorn.com's What's Poppin' to give his thoughts on the movement that has happened at Syracuse with 
Jim Beheim retiring, Adrian Autry taking over and moving forward from here. So a lot of great stuff coming up right after this fast break where sports meets life. Thanks for being here inside the Cafe Kubal Studios. This is Wake Up Call with Dan Tortora, and this is a very special bonus broadcast this week. Carvel Duet, it's what happy tastes like. Do you know why? Because we make ice cream. Creamy, rich, flavorful ice cream. Not yogurt or iced milk like some of our competitors. Ice cream. Fresh, by hand, daily. For the calorie conscious, we have something new for you. Our new Carvelite. Same great flavor, creaminess, and texture of our regular ice cream with only 35 calories an ounce. So whether you want an ice cream cake, flying saucer, dasher, Carvelanche, hard or soft ice cream, we will satisfy your craving with our fresh, handmade, regular, or new Carvelite ice cream. Carvel Duet. It's what happy tastes like. Cafe Cabal offers same-day local delivery of our products, offering no delivery charge for Onondaga County. Shop CafeCabal.com for fresh roasted coffee beans, cold brew, travel mugs, and all your essential Cafe Cabal needs. Cafe Cabal, coffee for the soul. The Wildcat Sports Pub in Camillus, New York, is located on 3680 Milton Avenue in the Home Depot Plaza. It is your family-friendly sports bar and restaurant. Folks, some sports bars aren't family-friendly. Some family-friendly restaurants are not sports bars. The Wildcat Sports Pub in Camillus, New York, is proud to be both. It is that marriage that you've been looking for for years. The Wildcat Sports Pub is your home base for your sports bar and restaurant needs, games for the kids, indoor and outdoor activities, and enough things on the menu to come back every single week and get to try something new. They're open Sundays from noon to 8 p.m., Monday through Wednesday, 11 a.m. to 11 p.m., and Thursday through Saturday from 11 a.m. to midnight. For reservations and party information, call 315 315- 487-2222 for the Wildcat family-friendly sports pub and restaurant. Welcome back here to Wake Up Call with Dan Tortora inside of the Cafe Kubal Studios, hanging out with you where sports meets life. And we are on the road here. We're going to be finishing things up at the ACC tournament. That's why you see the Greensboro skyline behind me. So we're here for one more day and, and one more opportunity to have Wake Up Call on the road this week. The hashtag Wake Up Call OTR is what we use to let you know we're on the road. And we have had a very, very interesting week that has uh, had a lot of emotions. And so here inside the Cafe Cabal Studios, we welcome you here and thank you for being here. And inside of MomPazPopcorn.com is what's popping. Our first guest on the docket today to speak about this very unique week is Sonny Spira, Syracuse Orange men's basketball alum, here to talk with us about Bayheim, Autry, and Syracuse then and now. So with that being said, let's bring him in. Sonny, how are we doing? Doing great, man. It's like you said, it's been a busy few days. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's definitely been an eventful uh, few days here, a lot of emotions. How did you kind of take this all in? Well, uh, how did I take it all in? I took it in difficultly. That's probably the worst word I could use, but it was very hard to stomach 
how things were went down. Yeah. Especially in the we'll call it the heat of the moment. And I think coach and John Wildhack and the Chancellor had a chance to explain it given some time and distance and perspective and it was sad that you were gonna see a, a legend, the architect, the originator, the builder of Syracuse University, men's basketball, and the university as well. Yeah. And someone mentioned it that a lot of people went to the university of the basketball team and Coach Beheim. So he's done more for the school in the last 60 years than arguably anyone or anything. So you can't top that. No, you can't. And and like you said, I mean, the way the way that it went down, I mean, I was here in Greensboro and, and I was in the room for the press conference and the questions and in real time and, you know, saying I didn't say I retired. I didn't say I didn't retire. It's up to the university. I gave my retirement speech, you know, in the last game of the season and, and just everything that that he said. And it was just really strange. And then I went into the locker room and spoke with the guys and, you know, some of them talked to me about it, you know, about whether or not he might come back. And I, I spoke with eight different guys on the team, almost the entire roster. And, you know, Joe and Jesse and Judah and, and Claudier and Justin and so on and so forth. And just kind of getting their thoughts and, you know, where their head was at. I walked out of the locker room. I was the last media person there. I turned left. I saw Jerry. I shook his hand. I continued to walk down the hallway. <laughs> And then within a few minutes, I got an email sent to my phone and it didn't say anything about Bayheim. It just said, it said, please, please see attached Syracuse or please see attached men's basketball news or men's basketball release. And I clicked on it and it said, Adrian takes over, Jim Bayheim moves on. And there wasn't even a quote from Jim. And I just remember sitting there saying to myself, they waited till they got out of the building, the door shut. And then they announced it. So none of the media could talk to him and really nobody could have a reaction in, in that sense. And, and, and it was, it was just a really strange way that it all went down. You're not kidding. <laughs> Disrespectful. If you look at it from one aspect. And I think in the end, if you were to ask them over a beer or a cup of coffee, yeah. probably both sides could have handled it better and it wasn't i understand the urgency or the timing of it because right now college basketball and college athletics moves at light speed yeah. with the portal transfer kids decisions was the staff going to stay in place there's a million questions yeah and probably not the time or place to do it but i think the timing of it there had to be something in the timing of it where they had to get that out at that point because there's no other explanation. I mean, <laughs> I, I, I think it just would have made more sense to do it, do it in Syracuse, do it in the city that he built. Don't do it in, you know, in Greensboro, far away from home in a conference where Syracuse has never really made sense. And, you know, so, I mean, don't, don't get me started on that. <laughs> But, but I that, came down to the Big East tournament this weekend. Don't even get me started. Oh, my God. <laughs> well, and I, I wear my Syracuse gear and everybody's stopping me. You guys should have never left. 
you're, you're preaching to the choir, brother. Well, and that's and that's the thing. I mean, you know, and I, and I, I've said this to people. I've said it this week, and I love the ACC. And I, I love the way that they treat me. I love the way, you know, I love being in it. I love the Big East. I love the way that they continue to treat me all these years later. And I love being in it. I'm a Big East kid. I can say that I that I, I appreciate, you know, both conferences because of the way that I've been treated personally. When it comes to Syracuse and just strictly talking ball, Nine years later, almost 10 years later, I'm having conversations with people. And, and I told my, I said it to my dad yesterday. I go, it doesn't make sense still. And my dad goes, no. He said, I, I still believe they should be a Big East school. And so we're almost a decade later. And, and most people come up to me and say, this is not an ACC school. This is a Big East school. And we still don't make any sense here. Again, preaching to the choir. <laughs> I, I couldn't agree more. So that said, this is where we are. Yeah. And we understand why. And it's flat out the Benjamin and football. And that rules the day at the end of the day. When it came down to it, the Big East didn't have a, a uh, didn't have a football contract. Sorry about the background. Okay. We didn't have a football contract because the Big East failed to do that. Yeah, you know, we and so we see we see this uh, this situation now, and you, like you said, you came down to the Big East tournament, and you know I, I I know that there's already a lot of emotion, and I can feel that from you over the phone. And I'm going to say this to you, and I'm sure there's going to be more. Marquette and Xavier are playing for the Big East championship. Neither one of them founding members. Marquette yeah. has been in for a while, but still, people forget they're a Big East school. Xavier has not been in that long, and and yet these are the two teams. The number one team in the Big East this year, Marquette, the number two team, Xavier, they will fight for the championship. It is not UConn. It is not Villanova. It is not St. John's. It is not Georgetown. Give me your thoughts on the fact that the Big East championship is two teams that uh, are not <laughs> traditional Big East teams. Oh, I know. Tell me about it. I was at the Thursday night game. With my one daughter, we went to those two games, rooting hard for Villanova. Yeah. They got beaten fairly easily. Yeah. So that hurt. Now we've got Creighton, the school from Nebraska, in the Big East. Nebraska, Big East. Okay. If that makes sense to you, God bless you. Watched DePaul play Xavier, and that was a heck of a game, but no dog in that fight, although my cousin is a Xavier grad, and he's a huge booster, and he's a good, it's my cousin, so I had a little bit rooting for them, but boy, DePaul was the underdog, I thought they were going to win, so that's that, so that, that game's done, Nova's there. so now we got UConn, St. John's almost beat yeah. their opponent, and then the next day, the entire St. John's uh, coaching staff gets canned. So it was it was rocky. But, yeah, now what's left of the semifinals Friday, I take my other daughter to those games. And I'm rooting for UConn. <laughs> yeah. You know how hard that was? <laughs> I can and, imagine. And I was sitting in an area where and, – and, and UConn fans filled the garden. 
yeah. filled the garden. It was way more UConn fans than there was their opponent, which just escaped me for a second. But Mar- they Mar- they Mar- took over. I th- yeah, Mar- I mean Marquette, Marquette was their opponent, and Marquette played well. And, and I love Shaka, so to watch them. But Shaka and Danny Hurley was the was the performance of the day. Yeah, those two coaches probably ran more miles than their players <laughs> yeah. and we're on the court out past the Madison Square Garden logo. So I was like, wow. So, and it was pretty cool because there's Bill Murray sitting there and he's right behind the bench. His son is an assistant coach and he couldn't have been nicer to the people around him. So I took it all in, but to the, to, to your point to basketball, it's not the biggies no. the way it was. And, you know, unfortunately, UConn didn't pull it out, but I did have to root for UConn. And I have met some of the guys from our podcast, the Big East Rewind. And they are, there's some good people there, there's no doubt. But it's, hey, they were a rival, you know? Yeah, you know. It's it, like, go ahead. What were you going to say? No, it's like Patrick and, and Georgetown. You know, I, I want to root for Patrick, but it's Georgetown. And that's still, it was against my very being. Yeah. But I rooted for him. And unfortunately, they couldn't get it done. So it was, it was really sad. And, and today, you know, the finals will be, like you said, Xavier and Marquette. <laughs> Xavier, Cincinnati, Marquette's Milwaukee. That the Big East. I think that's the Midwest on, on my maps. But yeah, that's you know, and it's no longer geographic, right? It's it's all about the dollars. Yeah, and it's. I mean, and I don't know if they did it. I'm I'm guessing that they did. But when they do that. When they do the video of the Big East and the history of the Big East, they still put Syracuse up there, don't they? Well, they should. I think Syracuse appeared in the most finals of any team by by a huge number, a huge number. It's not even close. And how many and how many ACC finals has Syracuse been in? You know, it's it's just it's it's a different world. And we also saw, you know, you spoke about Georgetown here with Sonny Spira, Syracuse Orange men's basketball alum. Talking about missing the Big East, talking about the ACC as well as Bayheim Autry and and Syracuse then and now. As we look at Syracuse then, and we go back to that, you know, obviously Georgetown, that rivalry is a rivalry that will live forever in history, and it continues to live on today. Patrick Ewing gets let go by Georgetown. John Thompson the third before that got let go by Georgetown. It's it's a weird world. You know, but John Thompson Jr. had this team in a special place doing special things. And then his son took over, John Thompson III, and it just didn't work out. And so that was kind of a strange occurrence, right? Because you have this lineage and he's let go. And then you have Patrick Ewing, who, you know, is the face of a lot of people of Georgetown. You know, when they think Georgetown, they think Ewing. And they let him go this season as Georgetown was at the bottom of the conference. How do you kind of take take all of that and, and you know, try to <laughs> sift through that? You know, the, the fact that, you know, this this family, the Thompson family, that it didn't work out with the third. And then here we are with Patrick Ewing. And I don't care what anybody says, like Georgetown or not. When you see Patrick Ewing let go from Georgetown, I felt bad for him. Yeah, very true. And it, it all circles back to, and even Chris Mullen at St. John's, it, it yeah. all circles back to Coach Beheim. And Syracuse. Yeah. He arrived in 63 as, as an athlete. I was born in 63. 
So he's been Syracuse as long as I've been in existence. And that sunk in this morning. And I watched the presser yesterday and I listened to coach, but more importantly, I, I felt coach yeah. when he spoke. He's not an emotional person. He was emotional yesterday. He was being himself. It, the moment, and, it, and it, it, it's not after the game. The emotions after the game, when you've lost and your season's over, are very simple. This sucks. I hate losing. It's the same. He doesn't like to lose. And he's not good at losing. So those emotions are very hard to deal with when you got to go talk to the press right away after a game, et cetera, et cetera. So sometimes they get the best of you. But now after a day or two, and to reflect on, like, you know how you say, like, hey, you got an accident, your life flashed before your, your eyes? Yeah. Well, if his life flashed before his eyes at Syracuse, it's like gone with the wind. It's like five, six hours movies, yeah. you know? For me, it's a commercial, you know? It's four of my 60, you know, almost 60 years now. His is 60 years of his 76. Yeah. Just put that in perspective. I don't think people can appreciate how loyal he has been. His staff, all cute guys, he, he raised them, so to speak, yeah. on basketball. They know Jim Beheim basketball. So when you transition, that's a no-brainer. You're going to have continuity. You've got a great – he's got tremendous, you know, himself, tremendous background in the game and was raised and played the game right. So I think the program is in good hands. Yeah. But the coach and his longevity and loyalty, no one will ever see that again at any school anywhere. Anytime. Sonny Spira, Syracuse Orange Men's Basketball alum here on Wake Up Call with Dan Tortora this morning inside of the Cafe Kubal Studios. And I agree wholeheartedly with those sentiments. I said those to my mom yesterday. I said, Ma, it'll never happen again. And I said it to my dad. It'll ne- 40 seconds. And I said, the reason why it'll never happen again is not is is not even just because of loyalty from a coach to a school. It's that we live in a microwave society, and no one's going to give a coach uh-huh. forty-seven years. So they're just. No, that's as a head coach. Yeah, he was an assistant. Yeah, he was a even Mike Shashevsky coached at Army. Yeah. So Jay Wright was as at long as, as yeah, as long as he was doing it. Jim Beheim is is Syracuse. Is the definition. And, and that's, I mean, and that's the thing is, is, is knowing this history that he has had and the connection that he's had. You know, I tell people that it's not only that Syracuse is on the map, arguably in many, many ways because of him, but that people even know my hometown, know how to spell my hometown. I can't go any, and I, Sonny, you travel too. Have we, have we, either one of us, been able to arguably go anywhere in the world and not have someone go, is that the orange? Are you Cuse's in the house? I mean, I've literally walked down streets and people go, Cuse's in the house. Oh my God. Like, I mean, it's, it's just, yeah. it could be, it could be 20 years later, 30 years. It doesn't matter, but it, there's something to be, I mean, I remember I played volleyball in St. Petersburg and there was a bunch of people playing at my hotel 
and they said, Hey, do you want to play? And I said, yeah. And they said, you know, what's your name? I said, Dan, they said, where are you from? And I said, Syracuse. They're like, we're going to call you Syracuse. And every time I went after the ball, they yelled out Syracuse. And I mean, I, I don't forget moments like that. I don't forget a little kid that came into Hollywood Studios, Sci-Fi Dining Theater when I was working there. So he's at Disney and he had a shirt on of the Syracuse ring. And I went over to him and I bent down. And I said, I have that same shirt. And, you know, I mean, it's or wearing a Syracuse name tag and having people stop you at least once or twice a day to talk about the team. How's the team doing? How are they looking this year? I mean, I don't think there's there's anything like it. That, and without Jim Beheim, do I ever get stopped and have anybody talk to me about my hometown, arguably? You know what I mean? So it's, right. it's pretty special. You're not kidding. And Coach talked about the fans. And, and you think about it, 35,000 people in a community of, what, 200,000? Let's say it's 240. That's one out of eight people is at your game. Yeah. One in every eight. Yeah. Not, not one in eight even like basketball in most communities. <laughs> let alone support the university and so that's just amazing and to your point i was away on a dental trip in the middle east so i mean we're visiting some ruins of, of where saint peter was from and i got a syracuse shirt on and dude goes hey juice in the house and i i just started laughing i was like you betcha you know, how are they gonna do just like you said same same thing and and that's what I experienced yesterday in, in the uh, Madison Square Garden, just walking around. I had on a, I had my Syracuse jacket, but I had on a, a shirt, too. And, oh, you guys never should have left. And then one guy grabbed me as I was leaving, and he was like, the way they treated Coach, that's – and he, he kind of went off. And I said, I understand, and I, I know we all wish it could have went better. Yeah. And he deserves much more respect than certainly was put out there. And he had – an opportunity, at least a small opportunity to speak, but, but there's a lot more. And, and I know coach doesn't like that limelight. I, I get it. He's not all about, he's about winning and he's about the players. And yeah. he must've mentioned at least five times, I'm going to miss those guys. And he was pointing to his players and his coaching staff, but mo- mostly those players. And, and I know he struggled with some of those guys this year, getting them to play to the level that they're capable of. Yeah that he knows they can do. And that, and that's where the, the challenges lie. If I think Dan Tortor can get a 98 on an exam and Dan comes up with a 95 and he's happy about it, Coach B is going to be pissed because yeah. you are capable of a 98. Yeah. Right? I mean, so you kind of let that sink in. That's, that's unheard of nowadays, right? No, that's like everybody a trophy. Nice job, Johnny. You're gonna, we're going to take you out. We're going to get you a special tree. You did a nice job. No, you're capable of this. What did you say about Benny after the, after that last game? He could do this every night. Yeah. So whereas Jim's frust- coach's frustrations are, he doesn't do that every night, and he's not putting out the way that Coach Behind feels he's capable of. I mean, when you grow up, you get older, and you, and you really realize – that's about reaching your potential as a human being, whether it's in business or, you know, your personal life. I mean, those kind of coaches and leaders are few and far between. And uh, we should really thank. Yeah. I mean, and, and again, and I tell people this all, all the time, you know, I said it. I said it yesterday. How many times I was in the I was sitting in the ACC tournament next to a kid who covers Virginia, 
And I said, how many times, how many times, how many, how many people in this world have an opportunity to cover one of the top five greatest coaches in college basketball history? And to, to sit here and, and that's my every day, you know, and, and I want people to let that marinate and really let that sink in. Like if you went to a game in the last 47 years in the dome and before that, when he was an assistant, if you went to these games and you saw this coach and you shook his hand or you saw him in Wegmans or you saw him wherever walking the dog, Jim Beheim, you got to meet a legend. And at Syracuse, if you met Ernie Davis, Jim Brown, you know, John Desco, the, you know, the Simmons family, Jim Beheim. I mean, you think, you think about, you know, I mean, Floyd, Ernie, Jim, I mean, the, the, the world at Syracuse, it has been, has been incredible. And the people there have been incredible. And Jim Beheim, like his bedside manner or not, is, is one of the greatest. He's not one of the greatest college basketball coaches. He's not one of the greatest basketball coaches. He's one of the greatest sports figures of all time. And he sat in my hometown and has been in my hometown and will continue to be in my hometown. And I mean, it's crazy. I will finish my days in Syracuse and I'm lucky. And he said something that I loved because <laughs> I don't like answering this question at all. He said it this season when he grabbed the mic and he said, Syracuse is the greatest place to live yep. and yep. really believes that he didn't just say it yep. to say it. He actually believes that area Syracuse, New York is, is there's no better. He said, there's no better place to live. And I'll never forget that Jim said that, you know, and, and, and I appreciate him for many reasons. And he could have gone, he could have gone to so many different places, probably could have made yeah, more money. He could have, exactly. He could have held the school hostage like some other coaches we know yeah. and grinded them and said, oh yeah, the Knicks call. And all of a sudden rumors are Coach Beheim considered for the Knicks job. Boom, he gets a, an extra you know million dollars a year or a new contract extension. He never ever did that because he is Syracuse. He's not going anywhere. And yeah. he said that one time. I remember that in an in a article saying that this probably doesn't help me, but there's nowhere I want to be other than Syracuse. Yeah. And that's, I mean, that's loyalty by definition. And from a dollars and cents standpoint, I know he was paid, you know, in everyone's eyes well, but I think terribly underpaid in terms of what the market pays. Yeah. For a legendary 1116 win coach. Yeah. <clears throat> I mean, honestly. Yeah. We we got a bargain and uh, we, we don't we didn't appreciate it. Not all of us, but a lot of us didn't appreciate what we had when we had it. And love him and I think he'll he'll be fine, but you know, it's hard. It's tough. Yeah. You know, the the emotions run high and you know, my my gut I think was twisted for is <laughs> definitely throughout that night overnight into the next day. And just a feeling in my arms, a feeling in my chest. And, you know, and, and it still takes something to think about. But on the other end of it, on the other side of this mountain, we have Adrian Autry. And and Red Red is a friend. Red is somebody that told me years ago he wanted to be a head coach. I wrote that in my article about, you know, that the interaction we've had. I have 
been very blessed to be around him, to learn from him, to learn about him, the way he goes about things, the way he does things, the recruiter that he is. And just there's, I, I love Adrian Autry. And when I got asked this question for the last couple of years, who's the next head coach? My words were, Adrian deserves it. I don't know if they'll give it to him, but he's earned the right to have the opportunity. And the fact well, that no, they gave... Did you hear what Mr. Wellhack said yesterday, right? Yeah. John says, associate head coach. So that means head coach in waiting. Yeah. And, the, and I think a number of people said, well, they never really advertised that. They never really put that out there. I, I, I don't think I saw that either, but I think it was understood. And I've said the same thing because everybody's like, well, what about and, – and, and there's no knock on any of the other coaches. Alan, Alan's paid his dues. He's, he's a great coach as is GMAC. So there's no mistake here. But Red deserves it, and, and Red's got it. And Red is going to do great things, but he's going to have to put his own stamp on the program yeah. just like all the others who followed the guy. Roley Massimino wins his first national championship in Villanova. He's out. Steve Lapis comes in. He struggles with the change in culture. Jay Wright comes in. He takes Rolly's culture and he blows it up and he puts his stamp on it. But he uses the foundation of what he learned with Rolly. So it's it's going to be a lot of the same thing. And I, I think Red will have tremendous success. He's got a dynamic personality. Yeah. Uh, he, players really, I think, gravitate towards him. And I think he knows what the hell he's talking about, and he will have great success. And as alumni, we're going to support the hell out of Red. We love Red. He's going to do a great job. And like you said, he's a good friend of yours. He's a good friend of ours. And, and uh, in the Italian culture, and you said he's a friend of ours. You know what that means, right? He's yeah, in. Yeah, so yeah. <laughs> so he, he's going to be great. Yeah, you you go you go you see that guy you don't bother that guy he's a friend of ours. <laughs> so, friend of ours, that's yeah. it, Donnie Brasco. That's right. So so Sonny here uh, a final word, just just to kind of leave it wide open. You know, we talked about Bayham, we talked about Autry, we talked about the Big East and the ACC. But a final note today, you and I are going to have plenty of conversations from kind of maybe the lasting thing that you want to leave with today with so many emotions. Well, I think the last thing I could say is, uh, I mean, personally, Coach, thanks for taking a chance on a skinny six foot five kid from Binghamton and believing in me, where probably sometimes I didn't believe in myself and pushing me, or sometimes I didn't want to be pushed and making me grow up faster than probably I wanted to and learning to deal with life. And love you. And uh, I know you're going to do great things and continue to be a tremendous ambassador for the university and the, and the community and everything Syracuse and, and orange is not a color. Orange is the way of life. And that's because of Jim Bayer. Can't say it better than that. Sonny Spira, Syracuse orange basketball alum speaking here this morning on Jim Bayheim, Adrian Autry, Syracuse then and now and someone who is hurting like most of us when it comes to going to the garden and loving the garden, but not seeing Syracuse in the garden. So definitely appreciate it, Sonny, as always. Thank you for those heartfelt words. And, yeah, I definitely felt them here in the studio knowing that, you know, he, he had an effect on you, like you said, growing up a little bit faster than maybe you wanted to. But there's something about Jim Beheim's tough love that I feel has arguably gotten a lot out of a lot of people. You betcha. 
Thanks, Dan. Have a good one. Thank you, Sonny. I'll talk with you soon. Take care. Take care. That coming from Sonny Spira here on Wake Up Call with Dan Tortora. Emotional. You know, I can feel it. I can definitely feel it here this morning. Without doubt. You know, and that's what I love about building connections with people is that you can feel them. You know, you can feel them. You can feel their emotion. You get to really get a sense when you care about people, you get a sense for, you know, where, where they're at. Right. And what's kind of going through them. And I felt that from Sonny this morning and, and I appreciate Sonny for always being so candid. It is an emotional time. We'll take a step aside for a fast break. We'll come back with Gene Waldron right after this on Wake Up Call with Dan Tortora, where sports meets life as we continue our bonus broadcast from Greensboro, North Carolina, celebrating Jim Beheim, Adrian Autry, and speaking on the changing of the guard, which some people thought would never happen. In these unique times, there are those in our community that give us a sense of normalcy and positivity. Pizza Man on 50 Oswego Street in Baldwinsville has been here for you for over 35 years and is here now. Call 315-638-1234 or order online at pizzamanbville.com to bring those familiar tastes into your home. And remember to come see our monthly on-site broadcasts centered around the community and our Baldwinsville bees. Pizza Man in Baldwinsville. Any way you slice it, they are always here for you. This is Jimmer Sikowski, owner-operator of Chick-fil-A Cicero, 7916 Brewerton Road in Cicero, right in front of the Home Depot. I had a deep feeling that God wanted me to do something bigger with my life and to help people, help others. I kept putting Chick-fil-A in my life, and I realized as I was going through the franchise selection process that uh, positively impacting the lives of others is really core to what we do here at Chick-fil-A. First of all, it starts with the food. The food is brought in fresh daily. We bring in local produce. We prepare to order in the kitchen. We hand bread our chicken. We hand spit our milkshakes. It's it's great food. It doesn't taste like fast food. I, I think the second thing is is the way people feel when they come in a Chick-fil-A restaurant. It's different. We, we try to treat people with intentional kindness here, which is very different and deeper than the good customer service. And so you know, I think it feels remarkable for most people to come in a Chick-fil-A restaurant. And then lastly... The impact that we try to have in the community is very different. It's a big part of the expectation of every operator of a Chick-fil-A restaurant is that they're actively engaged in their community, they're a leader in the community, and they're, they're making a difference. When they realize that what we're striving to do is to shine a little light in their life, that's a very, very different experience uh, than you will have at any other quick service restaurant. And it's that remarkable experience that I think people will emotionally connect with. I'm George Townsend of Honda City with some good advice from buying a new car. The true cost of owning a new car is determined by the appraised value when you trade it. No vehicle appraises higher than a Honda. Next, look for low APRs and deep discounts. You also want low maintenance costs and great fuel economy. 
That's why my advice to you is to buy a new Honda. Looking pre-owned, visit our Honda Certified Used Car Center. Honda City, 7140 Henry Clay Boulevard, Liverpool, or hondacity-cny.com. Our corporate purpose at Chick-fil-A is to glorify God by being faithful stewards of all that's entrusted to us and to positively influence all those who come in contact with Chick-fil-A. And what became increasingly clear from our success in Cicero is that people love Chick-fil-A. And also, I think we recognize that you know, we had a great opportunity to grow the brand and grow our platform. I felt incredibly grateful when I was you know, selected to be a Chick-fil-A operator. I think what it's meant for me, what I've come to realize on a very deep level is that this is a calling for me. It's not a career. It's not a job. The Lord called me to be a Chick-fil-A operator and to use these restaurants to glorify him and to positively influence other people. I'm blessed. I'm very blessed. Head to Chick-fil-A Clay on 3974 State Route 31 in Liverpool, New York. Welcome back here to Wake Up Call with Dan Tortora inside of the Cafe Kubal Studios, hanging out with you where sports meets that thing called life. Always appreciate being here with you every Monday through Friday from 9 a.m. to 11 a.m. Eastern Time. Today is a bonus broadcast of Wake Up Call with Dan Tortora because that's what we do, right? We underpromise, over deliver. So that's what we're here for. And we are here in Greensboro covering the ACC tournament and covering the American Athletic conference tournament from afar and also keeping a pulse on the other 30 conferences and what's going on in their tournament world as well. So a lot of great stuff coming up as we hurl toward Selection Sunday. And before that all comes about, uh, there's a lot of things that have happened here at Syracuse. And in a year where Syracuse is not going to the postseason, we have other news (laughs) that has taken up the orange. And so I'm here to talk with you about that and, and to talk with me with you i have fantastic guests you just heard from sunny spira inside of monpazpopcorn.com's what's popping and now gene waldron is here with me on wake up call and we have the opportunity to speak on bayheim autry and syracuse then and now and uh, as always uh, not not my friend not a, not just an, an alum of syracuse but my brother mr gene waldron how are we doing sir doing pretty good buddy doing pretty good and, and Gene, I, let's go to the moment, right? Let's go back to the moment. I, I described it here earlier on in the show with Sonny of, of my experience in Greensboro of the very strange press conference. And then Syracuse left the building. And then I got an email and it was just a very like kind of cold ending. But I wanted to get your thoughts about the moment when you realized that Jim Beheim had retired after 47 seasons and just kind of how you saw it through your kaleidoscope, so to speak. Well, initially I was in shock on how it was presented to the people in Syracuse, how the media presented it. Um, I just felt in a way that something better could have been done in terms of sending him off, him sending himself off on his retirement than what we actually saw experience. When you think about the history of Syracuse, all you think about is Jim Beheim. 
And the fact that that was what happened was pretty awkward for me. And, and I admit, especially, you know, because I, I, I love that guy. You know, that man has been at my side when I couldn't even know what to do with myself at times. And he was always right there for me. So for me, you know, shock set in, then a little bit of disappointment, upset, a little bit of anger, because that man deserved more than what was presented after that loss. I don't care what anybody says. Yeah, you know, and Gene, I mean, going off of that, like you said, I mean, it was, it was, it was weird. It was detached. It was unemotional. There was no quote in the email, even from Jim Beheim that Syracuse shared. It was just kind of like Autry's in, Beheim's out. Have a nice day, everybody. <laughs> and 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 it, you know, and and the thing that 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 hit me some kind of way is that. Beheim's been the coach for longer than I've been alive. I'm 37, 47 years for him. And so I've lived my entire life with him as the coach. I've, it'll be 20 years broadcasting this November for me. So in my 19 plus years, I have covered Syracuse every year. I have interviewed Jim in some way, shape or form for the last 10 or 11 years. So for for it to end in a way where like those of us that were actually good to Bayheim didn't get an opportunity to ask him a question, shake his hand, thank him for all the years that he's given me personally to thank him for what he's done for my city. You know, that to me was the part that that was hard for me to stomach is that I felt like it was a way to kind of slam the door on the media, lock it and say, you know, we're going to give you this news and you guys can react to it, but you're not going to have an opportunity to talk to anybody about it. And, and that, that was hard. And I know that, you know, Jim had some peace now and, you know, in the Adrian Autry press conference, and all that, but it, it just felt like it was a way to, to tell the media, we're going to, we're going to literally, we're going to let you know this. Cause that story was already written. Yes. We're going to, we're going to let you, well, I mean, there's no way that they could have wrote the story walking outside to the bus. <laughs> and so like, <laughs> you know, I mean, for those that know journalism and I don't know, Gene, I mean, from, from my, from my viewfinder, it just felt like a slap in the face of, of everybody that's covered him for so long. And I also, you know, I, I kind of agree with that a little bit too. I mean, you think about yourself, um, Donna, Mike, I mean, the people who've been there for, for years and years and years and years probably should have been able to ask him a question or two or even be able to say thank you for all your all the all the years of being at syracuse give them up give you guys opportunity to keep to thank him for everything um but again you know also that that's coach though you know he you're not going to get a lot out of him. You know, he's not the most personable person, but especially to the media. Um, but also I think there was, it should have been an opportunity where he should have clarified, he could have clarified something a little bit earlier, but you know, when you look at the press conference, when they introduced Audrey, I mean, 
he showed some emotion. I mean, that that was real. I mean, he got choked up. Um, and, and at times, you know, he was seemed like he was struggling to get some of the words out that he wanted to talk, what, that he wanted to say. Um, and you know, I, and, I, and I have to respect the fact that you know, this is who he is. You know, you know, he he wasn't always great with the media, but he was great with some people. And maybe some of those people should have got opportunities to, you know, that say something to him and, and get something out of him. But how much was he going to say? You know, he's he's never really that kind of person where he's going to say a whole lot, especially in a situation like that. I think it was a lot for him to be able to digest. I mean, come on, 60 years, yeah. 60 years on school. If you get to 47, let's add on the other years. Yeah, It's a lot. That's a lot. I don't know how he could have just come up and, you know, spoke. You know, I think he needed some time to let it digest a little bit because, I mean, come on. That's a long time. One school. You can't even name one coach that even comes close to doing what he did at one school. One off, one zone, one press. You know what I mean? The, the, what, they, what he's doing, what he's done for all those years has been the same, and it's worked. The last couple of years has been a little bit of a down down years, but, yeah. you know, he's... He, he, you know, it's going to be interesting to see what he does now. <laughs> well, yeah, and that's the thing. I mean, you, you've known Coach for a long time. What do you think the man does now? Do you think he just golfs and, you know, do, I mean, does does he does he take a job in in broadcasting? And, you know, does, does he do something? I mean, you know, obviously he's going to be connected with the school in some way at Syracuse University. But, but how do you view Jim? I mean, asking this question, it makes me think about like Brett Favre. It makes me think about Carl Sanfilippo for the Beville football team in Central New York. It makes me think about Joe Paterno. It's like there's certain people that you you in in your head you're like, what do they do after? You know what I mean? Like, what's Jim Bayham going to do after? So you know, I, I mean, he's going to be in Syracuse. This is where he wants to be, and I appreciate that. But have I mean, have you taken some time to think like, where am I going to see Jim Bayham next? You know that, that's that's a great question. Uh, I think I, I I do believe he's going to have some something to do with the university in some capacity. I also believe there'll be times that he'll be doing some some TV stuff. Um, but he doesn't need that line life. He, he don't. He doesn't really need that. I mean, everything that he's done. You know. I mean, he has. You know. I'm sure he's going to play some golf, but. He's done it all, you know, USA basketball, I mean, gold medals, yeah. championship at Syracuse, Big East championships. He, I mean, what he's done for the community in Syracuse. Uh, I mean, he's done absolutely everything. Now, you take Jim Beheim out of Syracuse. Yeah. No one knows, but no one even knows what Syracuse is at. <laughs> True. True. No one even no one's even heard of Syracuse. If it wasn't for Jim Bayhan. And I agree with that. That's 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 a that's a one hundred percent fact. All no right. one would have heard of Syracuse if it wasn't for Jim Bayhan. And and I agree with that and I second that. And uh and and Sonny, who was on before you, he says hello to you. He wanted to send you send you a hello from him. And that's my buddy. 
And and so and so, Gene, let's talk about this for a second and just get your thoughts. I was at the Big East tournament last year, and Sonny was there last year. Sonny won again this year. Um, yeah, he's got he's got family in some of those yeah. school those so called Big East schools. <laughs> so, <laughs> so let me let me let me do is going off of your point. You're le- you're leading me right into it, sir. So 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 Gene, the Big East championship to and this is no disrespect to the schools themselves at all. Like I respect the schools, I love the schools, I appreciate the Big East and, and I appreciate the schools within it so very much so. And I want to preface that because I really do, and I don't say it if I don't. I care about these schools and I think that there's a dynamic to them, even though they're not all in the East. That, that make them interesting. I'm just asking you this question because I'm a Big East kid. Today, the Big East tournament will have its finale. The championship will be played between Marquette and Xavier. What are your thoughts? <laughs> oh my God, are you serious? Um, <laughs> I want to know your thoughts. That's not. That's not the Big East. I mean, they're playing in the Big East, but you know, I had no words for that. I, I can't even put words together. I mean, there's no Georgetown, there's no Villanova, there's no Seton Hall, no St. John's. Well, I mean, Syracuse. I mean, that that's the Big East. Those names that I just mentioned, that's Big East. Xavier Marquette. <laughs> when I was at Syracuse, we played against Marquette. Marquette wasn't in the Big East. We were. Yeah. So, so let's put that in perspective. So now they – I don't know, Dan. You got me on that one. I mean, <laughs> I, I just – the Big East is the teams that I mentioned. And the fact that – You've got those two teams playing for the Big East. Yeah. And they're not even in the East. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, But, you know, respect to those schools, though, you know, at the end of the day, we know what it was all about. It was all about the dollar. So, what are you going to do? But I I truly believe if all, if the Big East would stay together with the teams that we, that were back in the 80s, I mean, it probably could have been one of the best conferences to this day, like it was in the 80s. Go ahead. What were you going to say? But but there you have it, you know. Um, When money's being tossed around, things change. And that's that's just what happened. I mean, I will never, ever get that. Syracuse don't belong in no ACC, not for basketball. Syracuse needs to be in the Big East. Yeah. Like a lot of other schools that I mentioned. And I agree with you. I mean, I, I agree with you. Listen, I cannot say enough how great the ACC has been. I mean, they've been fantastic to me. I appreciate the connection that we have. I appreciate the people within it. I appreciate the people that I've met because of it. I, at the same time, I'm nine years in gene of covering 
the ACC tournament and Syracuse within it. And I still feel like we're at a party that we didn't get invited to. And, 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 and you know what's even more crazy? There's no rivalry. At all. Syracuse don't have no rivalry in, in, in the ACC. Whereas when it was the Big East, there was it was a rivalry with St. John's. It was always a rivalry with Villanova, Georgetown, Seton yeah. Hall. It was rivalries. Who served his rivalry with in, in, in the ACC? Nobody. Yeah. They're going to play good games again. They'll have good games. But there's no like, oh my God, can't wait for this. This is this is what I'm, this is a real rivalry. Not Syracuse. No, and that's the thing. And you you bring it up, and and I feel the same way. And I do this with people all the time. And I think I said it with you. And I I've definitely said it on the show. I'll ask people. I'll say. Who is Duke's rivalry in the ACC? North Carolina. And then I'll say, who's North Carolina's? And they'll say, Duke. And I'll say, who's Syracuse's? And people will say, Duke. And I'll say, so Syracuse is the side chick of the ACC. I mean, that's that's what they are. You know, it's it's if, if, your, biggest, if your biggest rival is not their biggest rival, <laughs> then, you know, it doesn't it doesn't make any sense how you can have something like that. Syracuse's biggest rival is Georgetown. And, you know, and, and next to that, Villanova, UConn, go back in history, St. John's. I mean, there. I remember, and still to this day, Gene, if you asked me right now, if I was the, if I was the AD of Syracuse and I was making Syracuse's non-conference schedule, we would play. UConn, Georgetown, St. John's, and Villanova every year. I don't care how good they are. I don't care how bad they are. We would play them every single year because the kid in me needs to see at least those four games. I have to. And, and, and you know what? The crowd will respond. Oh, yeah. On both sides. On both sides. If they knew we were going to play at Villanova and Villanova they would come play at the carrier, it'd be the fans will show up in numbers. How do we get back? How do we get back in the Big East, Gene? What do we need to do? At this point, I, I, I could I couldn't tell you, but it would be something if it went back to how it was in the eighties and say, "Look, let's let's bring back the, the Big East the way it was," you know. But you know. And, and what well, the, the thing is that when money's involved, I mean, sometimes the decision that you want to make, you can't. Yeah, it's just I don't know. I I feel like if I have now lived to see Jim Beheim's retirement, which I thought he was going to outlast. I thought if I lived a hundred years, he was going to still be coaching. And <laughs> so now that I've seen that in my lifetime, will will I see Syracuse return to the Big East? Can I go back to the Garden? and see everybody, you know, back where they're supposed to be type of thing. It's, I mean, to me, it's just, it's so weird. It's so strange. And you wonder if like college athletics gets crazy enough, if it'll eventually reset because there's the notion and the reality that I believe in that the pendulum can only swing so far in one direction before it swings back. So can it ever swing back? Could it ever swing back? I don't know what the hell they would do with football, but let's be honest. I don't even know if they care about football on the Hill anymore. So like, 
you know, and that's not saying the coaching staff. That's saying I don't even know if the, I mean if the school if the if it went Division One AA, they'd be like, all right, cool. So I mean, I, I just I don't know, Gene. I, I mean, do you see a world where Syracuse could have some type of a reunion with the Big East? Basically, what I'm asking you, Gene, is like, can you and I and Sonny and like every other Syracuse player that ever lived and all the Syracuse fans? Could we get what we want someday? And and again, it's no offense to the ACC, but I'll tell you, the day that Syracuse returns to the Big East, I'm going to like be giddy all day, going crazy. Like, it's just, it's a different world. It's a different feel. If you've lived in this world as a fan and as a broadcaster like I have, or as a player like Gene, if you've literally lived it, breathed it, been in it, been in the moments, been in the buildings, can we get back there, Gene? And, you know, I mean, do you and I need to, like, form a committee? What do we have to do? <laughs> well, we need to go um, take a couple people hostage and make them do it. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, Sonny talked about being Italian, so. My wife and I used to go, when, they were, when we were, when it, when we used to go to the to the garden, we was always there. We was always there, going there, going, going, going. And then when they went to the ACC, we went down. We went to uh, Greensboro. I was like, never again, <laughs> <laughs> never again. And it was, I mean, I mean, we had some fans, but the atmosphere. I mean, and, you know, all those north, those schools from the south. I mean, they had everything. Yeah. And here's little old Syracuse coming from the north up here, and it was. So we did it. I think we did it once or twice, and I was like, "We're never going to do this again," because it just wasn't like that Madison Square Garden, you know, the most famous arena in the world, where the Big East had the most incredible games, incredible games. No longer. Well, let me let me paint this picture for you, Gene. I didn't say this on the show up to this point, so you're the first person that's going to hear this, and everybody else that's watching and listening around the world. I had a fan sitting over my left shoulder for the Syracuse-Wake Forest game in Greensboro, and he was yelling, send them back to New York. Oh, my God. <laughs> now, now, listen, besides the fact that I wanted to go through somebody when I heard that, like a rhino, but when, but when I heard send them back to New York, if we were playing in the Big East, we would be in New York. <laughs> so, like. <laughs> exactly. And then we would yeah. be saying send them back to North Carolina. You know what I mean? So, I mean, it's yeah. just, it, it, it's just, but it's, hey, listen, I have a respect for, for Greensboro. Because, you know, it's, it's, it's the home of the, of the ACC. They treat us well here. Again, yeah. I, I love the conference. I love the arena. I think the Coliseum is a beautiful place. I love the setup. I love everything about it. It's not the garden. And okay. nothing is the garden. And, and I would say one of the most, I'm going to ask you this question, since you've experienced both. And you could probably answer this question better than anybody. I have an issue. I, I don't. I have never fully asked myself this question because I don't want to answer it. But I'm going to ask you the question because I want you to answer it. What's a better arena, Madison Square Garden or the Dome? Wow. I'm going to go. I have to go with the Dome. There's no place like the Dome. 
there and and when when Syracuse is playing and they're on their game, there's no place like to go. And here's why I would say that in 1980 we were playing for the Big East Championship in the Carrier Dome, and there must have been 30. 32, 33,000, and we won that in triple overtime with Leo Routens tipping that ball in. So for me, that's why I would say it was probably the best place. Better than I would say better than Madison Square Garden. Although there's been some great games there when Surrich has been in the finals there. I've been in the finals at the uh, I've been in the finals there uh, against Georgetown and when we lost in overtime. But there's no place like the Carrier Dome. You know, I, I put him at a tie because you know I'm a little I'm a kid that grew up twenty minutes from Madison Square Garden. I put him at a tie, but you know I love my school, so you know well, I'll say every done slightly, very slightly. <laughs> that, I mean that's that's the thing. Like I said, I didn't want to ask myself that question because <laughs> a tough question to answer. But you know, I was kind of thinking about it, and I'm like, man. But you know what, Gene, you got to play in. And I got to broadcast and, and cut. I mean, you and I are spoiled enough to know either one of the arenas. So, you know, I, I think the reality of it all for you and me is that we have the blessing, the honor of being able to connect with both of these arenas to even have an opinion, which I think above all things is pretty cool. I think one of the uh, one thing that also struck me is that I had the opportunity to broadcast when I was uh, did a broadcasting with Matt Park and doing some of the games down there in the Madison Square Garden, and that you know be able to do that and and take in all the that 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 atmosphere. Yeah. Watching, you know, not just Syracuse play, but some of the other teams play against each other when it was the Big East. The atmosphere was just phenomenal. Yeah. You know, and um, I don't think that will ever be duplicated again. No, and I think that Syracuse, unfortunately, you know, down here it was a road game. And, I mean, there was definitely Syracuse fans, and there's hopeful people. I would say Syracuse has more fans in Greensboro, then you hear more Syracuse love than you hear from BC, than you hear from Pittsburgh. You know, I just had somebody write in, well, Pittsburgh probably had some good fans because they had a good season. Now they played an away game against Duke. It was, it was pretty undeniably Duke, yeah, exactly. you know, you know, that's just what it was. and that's the thing is like, you know, so if you pull Pittsburgh, if you pull Louisville, if you pull, you know, Boston college who moved such a long, I mean, for goodness sakes, Miami, left before, right? They left before Syracuse. They left before Pitt and Louisville and Notre Dame. Go back to Miami. I'm at the game last night. It's a Final Four game. Miami's playing Duke. Miami's the number one seed. And Miami was playing an away game. And they're the number one seed, and they've been in the conference longer than Syracuse. So, I mean, if Miami still doesn't fit, and Pitt doesn't fit, and BC, who left early too, they don't fit, and, you know, Virginia Tech fits, I guess, because of Virginia, Virginia Tech. But if Syracuse, Louisville, Notre Dame gets no love here, they're always playing an away game, for goodness sakes, when they were going toward their championship to win a championship under Mike Bray, which they did and almost won two of them here in the ACC. When Notre Dame won that championship, there was like three people that were cheering for Notre Dame. So, I mean, if Notre Dame, Louisville, Pittsburgh, Syracuse – 
Miami, BC, none of them fit still to this day. You know what I mean? Then, then what are we doing? You know, for some schools, almost two decades later, for Syracuse, almost a decade later, Pitt, almost a decade later, Louisville, nine years later, Notre Dame, a decade later. What what are we doing in today's modern college basketball? If we're all if if these teams have played for 10 years or more in this conference and outside of Syracuse, because fans travel extremely well, everything feels like an away game. You know, I mean, Pitt, BC, Miami, when you sit at a final four game in a conference tournament and the number one seed is Miami and, and they have a relative quiet to nothing and it was just Duke. All I mean, I felt like I was in Cameron last night and that's not fair to Miami. I'm sorry. It's not. And, and you know, like uh, one thing that you said earlier um, a few minutes ago is that Syracuse fans are everywhere. Syracuse fans are all over the world, and that's because of one person, Jim Beheim. Plain and simple. And let's get back. No, you do. I mean, let's get back to that, Gene. You said he was there for you. You and I have had very candid conversations. I'll never forget our Thanksgiving morning conversation where you texted me and said, I'm finally ready to talk. And you trusted me to tell your story. Jim Beheim wasn't there for you as a player. Jim Beheim was there for you as a person. He continues to be there for you as a person and has helped you through things that had nothing to do with basketball. So I'm just going to kind of open the floor to you and and let you speak on Jim Beheim, not the coach, but Jim Beheim, the man that when Gene Waldron needed a lifeline, Jim Beheim was there. Uh, You know, and, and, and you know, you know, listening to you like talk about that, I start to feel that emotion, you know, because there was times even when I played at Syracuse, I was just like, this guy doesn't, you know, he didn't, he doesn't care, you know. And then I know when I was like, when I needed help because I couldn't help myself, he was there. He was, he was right there. And, um, and he was just always, he would just always just say to me, you know, you got to take care of yourself. And, and we had conversations and, you know, after years and years, we had conversations. He said, you know, you were a good player. Um, he said, I, I, he, he said, I probably wrote you harder than most plays because I had some, my expectations of you were very high. And, 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 and to this day, you know, I can call him up. We can have a conversation and he's always, how you doing? Um, and and that's and, and I think that gave me some clarity because if it wasn't for coach, you know, because I'll never forget that day he came to my my mom's house and and said I'm gonna I want your son to come to Syracuse, and even to this day, I'm grateful to that man because I God knows what would I what you know could have happened if he wasn't in my corner. And I owe that man a lot. And that's why when when all this went down, I'm 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 posting stuff, and at the end of all my posts, I just says, "I love you, Coach," and that's from the heart. So there you have it. Yeah, you know, and and Gene, you you have shared so much about Beheim over the years with me, and and everything from the heart, and I appreciate that. And you know, you give a different look into Jim Beheim because people think that he's like this ornery angry, like hates everybody, always in a bad mood. 
that's not who he is. And not, not even close. And here's the thing, the people who don't know him, the ones who criticize and say things, you know, and see, I know the man. And that's why I will defend him to to the desk. I, I mean, you're not gonna you're not gonna get after my coach. I, you're just not. And him as a coach or as a person, it's just not gonna happen. And I don't care what people say. I'm 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 a hundred and ten percent. I'm defending that guy. Yeah, you know, and 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 that that comes from somebody who has built a rapport with you when did you know like you said you didn't know it at certain points when you were at Syracuse if he cared about you when did you finally realize that maybe it was tough love or that he always cared I, I think it was after I finished playing overseas um, and I moved to North Carolina for a little bit then I needed to come back to Syracuse as soon as I came back door was wide open he, he got me in position where i could do some broadcasting and um and then i ran into a little bit of uh talk time and and he proved himself again that you know i'm here for you and you know from from those times you know it was nothing but I mean, this guy really cared i mean he never really sh he showed it in a really different way and and it was some tough love yeah there's no about that but he saw that I needed that, you know, um, and I and I think that's one of the biggest things that I had a, a big reason why I have so much so much res respect for him. Um, he's just one of the most amazing person people that you can ever meet, and you know if you try, he'll you could get to know him. You could get to know him, but it just takes some time. You know, it, it does. It won't happen overnight. But he proved to me that you know some of the things that I felt were wrong, some of the things that I was doing were wrong, and he made me realize that. Yeah. You know, and you know I can't be nothing but grateful. You know, uh, so when I it's just like when I heard that he was leaving. I don't want this guy to leave. I don't want him to retire. You know, because he meant so much to me, so much to the universe, and so much to the, the community. You know, uh, it, it's just, it, it was just, it was just something that I could never foresee. You know, I was like, like you said, you could be 100 and he'd still be coaching. <laughs> you know, um, but yeah, it's just... He's just amazing. He's just an amazing human being in his own way, though. Yeah. And you have to respect that. And I said it better myself. Gene Waldron, Syracuse Orange basketball alum here on Wake Up Call with Dan Tortora inside of the Cafe Kubal Studios in a special broadcast, a bonus broadcast this week as Wake Up Call is on the road. We use that hashtag Wake Up Call OTR. I'm down in Greensboro, Gene and Jim Beheim's favorite place to visit. And so, so I, uh, happy to, uh, happy to have this conversation with Gene and, and all the conversations I get to have with someone that I consider a uh, family that, uh, that means so very much to me. And, and Gene, before I let you go, 
you know, and, and you know, and I want to say this too, because like you said, you end every sentence with this and I'm a person where when you say it, when you feel it, say it. So before I ask you anything else and we talk about anything else, I just want you to know for all the years, for everything that, that we've had, I, I love you back. And, and, you know, you know that I love you, but I want you to hear that I love you because you have shared with me so many things about your life. You've trusted me and you've been there for me. You have come out and done events with me and sat with me. Those were some funny events, though. <laughs> What'd you say? Those were some funny events. <laughs> but, you know, I just, I just want to tell you that. I want you to know that I love you. And I'm happy that, you know, you didn't give up on yourself and, and, and give up on, you know, your, your, your mission of being who you are today and where you are today, because, you know, you're an inspiration every day when it comes to health, when it comes to love, when it comes to taking care of things. And, so I, I just I would be wrong to to say anything else this morning before saying that I really do love you and I really do appreciate our friendship and I can't I can't thank you enough for it. Well, you know I, I appreciate that. But, you know when you also have a when you also have a wife like I have who's has got like an amazing strong backbone who's one hundred percent supports you know even with the ups and downs always has your back. Never will, never ever will let you down. I mean, like she's the captain of the ship, you know, and I respect that, you know. And without her, there's no me. So, I think I also have to give, you know, a lot of the credit to her because she's like stood right by me, and you know, and everything that I have in my life is is not just because of me. It's a lot more so because of her, you know. And and then I'm, I'm I'm truly grateful to have a woman in my life like like Jamie and my, I mean she's just the most amazing person in the world and I'm just incredibly grateful. As I always say, because I care about her and I don't want to get in trouble. I love I love you too, Mrs. Waldron. <laughs> so so final note here, Gene. Your thoughts on Adrian taking over? I, I think it's going to be a. Uh, an amazing, this is an amazing opportunity for a guy who actually deserves it. Uh, he put in the work. Yeah. He understands the game. I think the players will relate to him fairly easily. Uh, I really hope that the unit that he has can stay. I would love to see Gerard come back, Edwards come back. You know, that nucleus that they have, they could be, like he said yesterday, they could do something very special if everybody sticks together. Um, I already know one guy is planning on leaving, put his name into the portal. But, you know, if you can get these guys to stay and stick together, they can be extremely special next year. And I think Adrian is the guy that's going to, hold this team together hopefully i think he's going to do some great things because he's got that he's got that drive you know he may seem like he's laid back but i don't I, you know he's got some tenacity to him and he's going to get those guys ready to play he's a good recruiter good communicator and you know he's got great staff and I'm just wishing them well. I, I'm just really excited to see. I'm excited, but I'm also in the back of my mind sad that my, my man, Coach Payham's not going to be there. But he's got a great opportunity in front of him, and I hope he takes full advantage of it. I come from Gene Waldron. Can't thank him enough. Syracuse Orange men's basketball alum here on the broadcast. 
and a friend of mine. Gene, as always, my best to you. And I'm going to say this again because it needs to be said. When is Mrs. Waldron going to allow me to have some of this food that you put on Facebook all the time? Like, what what do I have to do to get some food at the Waldron house is what I need to know. You have to come over and get it. Well, I, you know, I got to I got to get the I don't just invite myself over to the house. I got to get that invitation. That's what I need. So okay. I, I have to have a word with the business. <laughs> okay. Because okay. I tell you what, she's making a mean meatloaf today. Yeah. Yesterday she made homemade shrimp egg rolls. Dan, I'm telling you right now, you don't know. These things were out of bounds. I heard I heard homemade egg rolls. And I, I mean, I, I think I just. I think I just changed my flight from Greensboro. I don't know what happened, but <laughs> but thank you as always, Gene, for you know being so uh, open and uh, sharing so many awesome things. You gave a unique perspective to Jim Beheim today that the world needed to hear. So I thank you for sharing that. You got it, Dan. Take care. All right, take care. That coming from Gene Waldron once again on Wake Up Call with Dan Tortoro, where sports meets that thing called life. JB Reef Snyder coming up on the broadcast in just a moment. We're going to take a step aside for a fast break. We'll be back with our final portion of today's bonus episode from the great state of North Carolina as we are here in Greensboro and with Wake Up Call with Dan Tortora inside of the Cafe Kubal Studios. For those of you in central and upstate New York, head off to Cafe Kubal today. Support local and enjoy the beautiful, wonderful coffees as well as teas and chais and everything that they have to offer. Head out there today, let them know the wake-up call sent you, and we'll be back right after this. Avicoli's, located on the corner of Route 57 and Wetzel Road in Liverpool, New York, has been your trusted neighbor for decades. Located just steps from Liverpool High School, we're happy to have the Liverpool Warriors on-site, on-location broadcast at Avicoli's through Wake Up Call with Dan Tortora every single month, featuring student-athletes, coaches, and administration throughout the year from Liverpool High School. Head out to Avicoli's today on the corner of Route 57 and Wetzel Road in Liverpool, New York, open Tuesday through Sunday for lunch, dinner, and drinks. We'd love to see you out there. And of course, you can call them at 315-622-5100 for takeout, delivery, and catering. That's 315-622-5100. And also find them on myavicolis.com. That's myavicolis.com. Having peace of mind when you're out of town, that your furry-loving friend is safe and sound, means taking them to Canine Campground. Because we all know that when it comes to the love of our pets, it goes well beyond the call of duty to make sure they're safe and sound. Right, Lily? So take a ride to 242 Johnson Street in East Syracuse, New York, and see Canine Campground and where your dog will be staying. In the classic cabin, the executive cabin, the grand cabin, or of course, the luxury cabin, because if you know Lily, you know she loves luxury. <laughs> now you don't have to wait to the last minute to find a family member or a friend that'll take your dog for a few days. Call Canine Campground at 315-299-4013. That's 315-299-4013. Their drop-off and pick-up times are Monday through Sunday. Check Canine campground.com for more information that's the letter k the number nine and campground spelled with a k.com k9campground.com when you're going out of town bring your dog to canine campground 
PB&J's Lunchbox, the food truck that you love finding all throughout Central and Upstate New York, now has a street-side cafe. So when you're craving their traditional favorites as well as their out-of-box amazing menu items, you can now head to 663 Old Liverpool Road in Liverpool, New York, located just minutes from the highway, the thruway, Destiny USA, and Onondaga Lake Parkway. PB&J's Lunchbox Street-Side Cafe is there for you Monday through Saturday from 9 a.m. to 7 p.m., serving breakfast, lunch, and dinner all throughout the day. Get breakfast for dinner, dinner for lunch, whatever you fancy, including their award-winning grilled peanut butter and jelly sandwich. Find them at 663 Old Liverpool Road in Liverpool, New York. PB&J's Lunchbox, where we love to know what's in your lunchbox. This is a special message from 317 at Montgomery restaurant owner Joel Carpenter. Open Tuesday through Saturday for your dining pleasure on 317 Montgomery Street in Syracuse, New York. We wanted to be a part of the resurgence of Syracuse. We saw uh, a lot of money being put into bringing people back downtown and thought that, you know, we'd like to be a part of that. I love putting together a good dish where people see it first, they fall in love with it, and then it tastes just as good as it looks. We want to provide the best food in Syracuse that we possibly can, and we want you to leave here talking to your family, your friends, about what you had to eat first and foremost, but also our service and to walk out feeling like you're part of our family. I work out in the front of the house a lot, and I love walking to every single table, asking them how everything is, and people looking at me and smiling and saying, this is the most amazing short rib I've ever had. This is the most amazing filet I've ever had. And Donna is great. Sarah's amazing. Thank you for coming over and talking to us. And I'm just being truly happy for the experience that they've gotten. 317 at Montgomery Restaurant, part of the fabric of downtown Syracuse, located on 317 Montgomery Street in Syracuse, New York. Open Tuesday through Saturday for a unique and memorable dining experience. And a welcome back here to Wake of Call with Dan Tortora inside of the Cafe Kubal Studios, hanging out with you where sports meets that thing called life. Always appreciate being here with you every Monday through Friday from 9 a.m. to 11 a.m. Eastern Time. We're doing a bonus show today on Saturday, March 11th. Why? Because, you know, it's been a slow news week. Not too much has gone on. It's not like anybody retired who did an unprecedented 47 years as a head coach in one place or 60 years in total or the fact that it was handled in a unique way or the fact that we had breaking news yesterday morning from Alan Griffin on Wake Up Call with Dan Tortora that him and Jerry McNamara are staying or the fact that my good friend Adrian Autry got the job. So not a lot of stuff going on in Syracuse, but (laughs) I'm happy to be here with you and happy to have the conversation. And of course, being facetious, which is also called sarcastic, which if people don't know what that means, you can still joke in 2023, I think. I don't know if joking has been canceled yet, but we'll we'll discuss it. Happy to be here with you, and thank you so much for being a part of the show. We are inside of these Cafe Kubal studios, and of course, we've had a trio of wonderful guests set up for you today. You heard from Sonny Spira, you heard from Gene Waldron, and now inside of Mod Paz Kettle Corn and Popcorn Factory, J.B. Reef Snyder is here to join me and give his thoughts on Bayheim Autry and Syracuse then and now. 
So J.B. Reef Snyder, part of the Cuses in the House, oh my God, team, the team that went to the 1996 championship game and went up against Kansas. And we have a picture up here where J.B. Reef Snyder put it on his man. So let me uh, let me bring him in and talk about this. J.B., how you doing? Good, Dan. How are you this morning? I'm doing well. Can you bring me into this picture and and the fact that uh, this gentleman that uh, was it Rafe LaFrance that uh, is on the ground here right now? It was Rafe LaFrance, and it it may be the best uh, inside out crossover dribble I've ever done in my life. <laughs> and somebody was gracious enough to capture it in a photograph. Um, I like to say I went up and slammed it, but I think all the Syracuse fans that are listening know I wasn't a big-time dunker, so I may have gone up and laid it in. But I do know that uh, we won that game in the Elite Eight, and Al McGuire was dancing to the cues in the house as we were marching our way out to the final before that year, after that game. Yeah, yeah. An, an incredible, incredible uh, you know, opportunity to be a part of that team, to go back to 1995-96 and be a part of the cues in the house Oh my God, squad. Bring me into that because we're talking Syracuse then and now. What was it like to experience that? And how would you describe Jim Beheim on the sideline that season? Uh, well, Coach has always been a great leader. Yeah. Um, puts a lot of trust and faith in his players. Coached uh, each of us differently. Some players he knew he could really get on, yell at. And it would motivate them. Others, he knew if he did that, um, they may crumble. So he would um, show a little more patience with them, which I, I think is a great sign of an excellent coach. And he had a very senior-laden team that year, which is, you, you know, to, in today's game is very rare. Um, you had John, you had Z, and myself. Um, you had some other uh, juniors. Marius, Anulis. It was just a, a squad. We we're all grateful John decided to come back. He obviously could have gone to the league, but he decided to come back his senior year. It was just something magical. And it started in August of 95 when we went over on a little European tour and just were really bonding. And um, it just stuck throughout the season. Um, and it, it was disappointing in the end when we couldn't deliver a championship for him. And so I'm so grateful to Mello and G Mac and Akeem and, and the team that got, got coaches his championship. Yeah. But just even being on a team that not only played in the final four, but one of the three teams he's coached in his illustrious 47 year career to play for a national championship. is just such an honor that he thought I was good enough to be play at a school like Syracuse and then to have be fortunate enough to play in that championship game is something I'll always cherish. JB, why do you think, you know, why do you think Jim Beheim took a chance on you? What was it about the interaction there and, and, and maybe something that he said that's lasted with you that you can reflect on and, and say like, you know, this is what he told me. This is why, because I know coaches have to take a chance on everybody that they bring in. Why do you think he took a chance on you? And what can you share about that? Well, I can say two things. One, uh, I think I was messing up pretty bad one time and he asked me why he wasted a scholarship on me, but uh, he told me later on, he didn't really mean that. And then <laughs> we did, we did have a conversation and our old, uh, 
great big man coach. I know, you know, things have happened in the past with Coach Fine and stuff. But I think it was, you know, running that zone. They looked for, you have to have somebody in the middle of the zone. He had Ronnie Sykley before, myself, Otis Hill. Big men who had uh, IQ for the game, um, who could organize the zone defense, knew how to slide and move over and um, just get after it. Somebody who's willing to do the dirty work. I know we used to have this chart, this charge chart that he he and the staff maintained, uh, who took the most charges, and Otis and I were always battling it out for that because I wasn't any great leaper, but I was willing to throw my body in front of somebody and let them run right through me to get the offensive foul. Um, knew I'd be a good role player for the team. Wasn't going to be the superstar, but knew I had a good work ethic. He told me at one time, and I'd do whatever he asked me to do um, because I just wanted to get on the court and, and get my best for the university. Speaking here with J.B. Reefs under Syracuse Orange Men's Basketball alum on the heels of Jim Beheim's retirement, Adrian Autry being hired, and we are here on uh, Wake Up Call with Dan Tortora inside of the Cafe Kubal Studios. J.B., you crossed up Rafe LaFrance in that in that Kansas game like we had spoken about en route to the championship game against Kentucky. Like you said, you guys didn't win the championship that year, but that was, to me, next to 2003 – I would argue it's the most incredible Syracuse season ever. Being a part of that team, being a part of that season from the inside out, why do you believe, if you agree with me, why do you believe that that's one of the greatest seasons we've ever seen? Um, I do agree with you. I, I, the 87 team may disagree, of course. but Well, they're in there too, yeah. Yeah, but um, – you know, I think it was the group of players that we had on that team. I mean, you didn't uh, you didn't have a, a ton of superstars. You you had John Wallace, tremendous player, one of, one of the best to ever do it at Syracuse, um, and and a and a bunch of group of guys who were following his lead and coach's lead. No complaining about playing time. No looking at a – I know we didn't have it back then, a transfer portal because you weren't getting enough minutes and jumping ship. Who we were dedicated to the program, dedicated to the process, and trying to trying to take it all the way to the end as one unit. And like I said, it started in the beginning with that trip to Europe. I mean, I remember like it was yesterday. We started the season, I believe it was 11-0 until we lost to UMass out in Hawaii. Um, then we hit a little rough patch, and then obviously we finished the season strong. But just the, the moments when you look at look at that, even the tournament, um, the last-second shot by Jason Cipolla to get us to overtime against Georgia, then John's three to win up in overtime. Allen, Jacques Vaughn, Rafe LaFrance, Scott Pollard, Paul Pierce. Um, nobody gave us a chance there. And we came out and dominated that game and got that victory. 
And then we go up against a, a stacked Mississippi State team with Eric Dampier and Dante Jones. Somehow we win that game too. And then we are right there toe-to-toe with the Kentucky Wildcats, who basically had two starting five teams. It was loaded with NBA talent. And I've, I've got a picture here at the house with like 2.30 to go, and we're down four points. Yeah. And, and unfortunately, the, you know, the refs don't – it's never always the refs' fault, but sometimes they can contribute to stuff. John fouled out, and – um you know, they made their free throws down the stretch and they got the victory over us. But we it's not like they were blow, they blew us out. We were right there in that game. And I, it just showed the, the passion and determination and, and what can happen when that all comes together. That coming from J.B. Reefsnyder here on Wake Up Call with Dan Tortora discussing that 1996. And give credit to 1996, 1987, 2003, of course, 2013, 2016. 2016, I was the only person in America that picked Syracuse to be at the top of the ACC. An article was written about me being a mystery person, which I never was. I revealed my picks preseason on my own website for free. And at the end of the season, my dad said to me, what are they going to do when when you're right? And uh, the answer to that was they did nothing. So I had to remind everybody what I had picked in 2016. So shout out to all those teams that made it to the final four and to teams that made it to the championship game and no disrespect by any stretch of the imagination to the 1987 team. Much love to them. I was two years old. And so watching the 1996, I was nine and, uh, and, and got to experience that in a little bit of a different way, but a big shout out to all the teams, Jim Boeheim's retirement. We were talking about it off the air, JB, when it happened, how it happened, how did you respond to the way in which we all found out? Well, I was driving home from work and my phone just starts blowing up that coach retired. And I'm like, what do you mean coach retired? I had last, I had heard, he kind of said it was his choice about a month ago and then maybe sort of retract that a little bit. And then I came home, turned on the TV and saw that um, the university had announced that he was retiring and Adrian was taking over. And I was just, I was in a state of shock. And, and I think Coach K came out maybe a day or two later. and he, he used the word that I would describe it as just kind of an awkward moment, an yeah. awkward way to retire. Um, because after all coaches done, then this is just my opinion. After all he's done for not just the basketball program, but the university, the community, and I kind of felt he deserved kind of a swan song kind of season, a farewell tour. I know that's the, probably not coach's style. He may not have wanted that. And I, and I know he came out yesterday when they were introducing Adrian and got, got emotional and, you know, said it was his decision. He'd let players know in advance and I'm glad that that it was. It wasn't just a you know a unilateral decision by the university, but I mean that's just where I was just shocked and felt it felt kind of awkward to me how it went down. Yeah, I mean it was a very strange occurrence, and I think that we all can second that it felt very <clears throat> very weird uh, from my standpoint. It felt very unfair 
you know, the way that it, that it happened. And it was just, it was just such a whirlwind of just weird moments and strange things and an email, you know, 47 years and you get, and you get an email without a quote from him saying, Jim's retired, everybody have a good day type of thing. And it was just, yeah, it was just a very weird uh, situation, but you know, on the other side of it, we have Adrian Autry and I would love JB for you to give your thoughts on, on Adrian and the fact that he's taken over this program. He's been the associate head coach, which, you know, he told me a few years ago, I said, what, what does that mean? And he said, if coach gets sick, if he gets suspended, if he gets ejected, kicked out of a game, I hold the clipboard. And, and now he's holding the clipboard for real, for real. What are your thoughts on Adrian Autry leading this program? I think Adrian's going to do a great job. I played with Adrian for three years. Yeah. I mean, I redshirted one year and then had the opportunity to play with him. Very high basketball IQ. Um, very driven individual. Um, uh, a leader among men. You have to be that to play point guard at a place like Syracuse. Um, so I think he has all those intangibles to do an excellent job as a head coach. He's learned from one of not the best to ever do it at the collegiate level, for not just as a player, but then I think he's been on the sidelines for about 20 years maybe or, or something absurd like that with coach. Um He's, he's already made a great decision keeping uh, Griff and GMAC yeah. on board, kind of keeping it in-house. Um, people who've been part of teams who've, who've won championships. So, and, and, and you know, he's going to bring a new flavor to the game. And I've always been fine with how Coach coaches the game. And I, and I know he's had his detractors over the years and, and, and people hating and – I probably should not chimed in on social media lately, uh, almost defending coach. Um, everybody was saying it was time for him to go. He's passed his time and everything. But I think I think Adrian's going to bring um, new energy to the program. I hope the recruits can see that and don't start jumping ship like sometimes they do when a when a coach um, steps down or leaves. Um, because some, some players, you know, uh, my daughter's going through it with looking at college soccer programs to play with. It's, don't go for the necessarily the coach. you got to go for the school, too, and the university and the program. Because um, coaches come and go these days. And I just hope the university gives them a chance um, because it, it's hard to fill in big shoes like that. I mean, we all see what's happening at, at Duke, right? Yeah. Who did not have the season that they usually have. Um, so, but I wish Adrian all the all the best. I think he's going to do a fantastic job, and I just hope the Hughes fans and the, and the university is patient through the process. Yeah, you know, and that's and that's the thing is, you know, can people be patient? Can people give time? You know, and allow him to build what he wants to build the way he wants to build it. JB, what would you like to see? You know, Adrian, like you said, was your teammate. What are you hoping for? Offensively, defensively, scheme wise? What, what, what are you, what are you 
kind of osmosis, kind of like trying to telepathically be like, hey, Adrian, do this. What am, What are you hoping for? <laughs> it is not not for me to tell Adrian uh, what 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 he should do by any stretch of the imagination. I, I wouldn't even think of doing it when I played there now, let alone he's a head coach. But you know, obviously the game has changed some. Yeah. You know, I think I think the zone can still be effective. Obviously, these kids these days are are shooting from further and further away, and so you know. Is the two three the the best um, kind of defense when people are shooting from twenty four twenty five feet from the basket and you're kind of at the three point line? It, it may not be. So maybe changing it up a little bit. Uh, I don't think the offense needs to change very much. I mean, Adrian will have his ideas uh, on offense. Um, I, I just know that. Zone, I like the zone. I coach the zone, but of course, I'm coaching younger kids, and it's effective because fifth grade boys aren't shooting sixty percent from three point range, right? So it's an effective defense. Yeah. Uh, but I, I don't think you completely strip it away. You got to mix things up, and uh, I, I like to see that a little bit. But at the same token, you know. A lot of the knock against coaches, he was past his time because he wouldn't change necessarily from just going all zones all the time. And I don't think that's, I mean, you had mentioned it. Seven years ago, they were playing in the Final Four. People were shooting from way out three pointers back then, too. Yeah. So you don't shoot as high a percentage from three as you do from two. So it still can be an effective tool, but changing it up some, putting a little more pressure. Um, speeding up the game a little bit. I mean, that just seems to be today's game overall. So, JB, from your seat, having Jim as your coach, having him take in a chance on you in your collegiate career, what do you – when you think of Jim Beheim and you think about everything he's done, what stays top of the mind to you the most above everything? When I say Jim Beheim what type of memory does that ignite in you? Uh, so many emotions. It's a, a guy who took a chance on this scrawny, tall, white kid out of Cincinnati, Ohio, to come play in the Big East, not the ACC, but the, the Big East Conference, uh, the legendary Big East Conference, and what he did for me while I was there those five years. And then more importantly and more telling about who Jim Beheim is as the person, what he's done post Syracuse for me, whether it's uh, the note in the mail after he got wind that my mother passed away back in 2003 or my ability to pick up the phone, call him, email him uh, whenever I, need something or just want to talk um, his writing letters recommendations when I was applying to law schools for me it I wasn't some star player he didn't have to do any of that he could have saved that for the Mellows and the G Max and the John Wallace's and the Derek Coleman's but he was willing to do that for me and I just think that that tells you more about him as the person that he actually cared about every single one of his players 
that ever played for him over his 47 years as a head coach. He's all his door is always open for us. And you said when your mother passed away in 2003 that there was a letter in the mail. Yeah, a handwritten letter from him, which, you know, people write handwritten letters is old school. People don't do that, but it wasn't, it wasn't some hand stamped signature and stuff. It was just a note from him that he and the program were thinking uh, of me and my family um, because it, it's hard for me, you know, living down the deep South nowadays with my family and stuff to get up there for alumni weekend and, and everything like that. So I hadn't seen him really since it had been maybe five, six years since I'd seen him. And I get this letter from him saying he, he had heard about my mother's passing and he was deeply sorry to hear that was our, <clears throat> his thoughts and prayers and the, and the program's thoughts and prayers were with our family at that time it was just it just meant so much um to me that he take his time to to reach out to someone like me who was just a little role player on his team um in a moment uh, of grief like that well, JB, you know, I know, I know you said, you know, scrawny, scrawny kid, you know, from Cincinnati, Ohio. I know, I know you said, you know, just a role player, but to someone like me, nine years old, watching my hometown team, the only colors that I've ever known, and seeing what you guys did that year. You were not just a role player. You were not just another guy on the team. You were a part of a team that, to me personally, is one of the greatest memories I have in my life. Lazara Sims, Jason Sapola, Todd Bergen, John Wallace, Otis Hill, Marius Yanolis, yourself, you know, David Patrick, Bobby Lazor, Elvira Ochina, uh, Alimo Nelson, Donovan McNabb. People forget that about McNabb and Nelson being on the team. Jim Hayes, Eric Frazier, Jacarl Riggins, Jim Jim May, and of course the coaching staff that was there. This, on paper, this team never got the credit that they deserved or the belief in them. But you guys believed, and that's what I know Syracuse to be. It is a blue-collar town of people who – don't get the respect they deserve. Don't get the notoriety. Don't get the publicity. Don't get the spotlight. But they earn it. They go and they fight for it. It's not handed to them. They go and they take it. And if I've learned anything about Syracuse and who we are, we're gritty. Our teams are gritty. Our people are gritty. Our businesses are gritty. And we know that nobody's going to come here, turn the cameras on and say, hey, look at you. You're awesome. But we're going to go out there, we're going to put our work in, and we're going to show you what we can do and how we can do it and why it's special and why it's unique and why you should pay attention and why you should come to our community and why you should appreciate our community and the people within the community. This is a community of fighters, a community of strong, good-hearted, genuine, wonderful, moral, values-driven people who are salt of the earth, and there's some amazing, amazing people 
with some really big hearts in this community. So when you say I was just a little role player, I say no. I say thank you for being a part of the community of Syracuse. You're always going to be a part of the community of Syracuse. And I appreciate the fact that you as a young kid and your team taught me to never give up no matter what anybody says. Well, I appreciate those very kind words. And it means a lot that you as a fan who grew up watching Syracuse have those memories and you're able to share them and your experience um, with the, the younger orange fans nowadays. And I, and I hope they get to have some of the same experiences and love affair with the, with the program um, that you and so many other Syracuse fans. I mean, it, it was, I think you, you said it um, eloquently that it was blue collar. And so were the players, hardworking, determined. Um, we played for each other. We played for the fans. We played for the school. We played for coach. It's all one tight-knit family. Yeah. And I've always felt welcome back in Syracuse. We have a huge uh, Syracuse alumni base down here in Memphis, Tennessee area. Um, Big Al Wooten, the great uh, football football player, fullback for Syracuse who played in the NFL for years is down here with me. And we're just always talking amazed that Go Orange is everywhere down here. And it's a and and they are diehard fans. You don't you don't have to just be living in Syracuse, New York to be a diehard fan. They are everywhere. And uh, just so happy to have been a part of it for so many years. Yeah, and I, I appreciate that. And those those words are said Incredibly well by J.B. Snyder here, Syracuse Orange men's basketball alum on Wake Up Call with Dan Tortora inside of the Cafe Kubal Studios. J.B., before I let you go, you talked about, you know, being in the Big East and Bayheim taking a chance on a kid from Cincinnati, Ohio. Well, now the Big East is filled with teams from all over the country. <laughs> so what are your thoughts on the fact that the Big East championship that will be played tonight will feature Marquette and Xavier? It's well, it's called the Big East, but it's not the Big East. Yeah. If if you understand what I mean, I mean I I played in the Big East when it was Northeastern schools. Yeah. Austin College, Pitt, Georgetown, Syracuse, St. John's, Villanova. Those were uh, that was Connecticut, uh, Rutgers. Oh, that was my that was my time. And, I, and I'd say, you know, that, that 80s to through the 90s, the heyday of the Big East period, playing in Madison Square Garden, the, the mecca of sports for when we just play St. John's sometimes, and then always the Big East tournament. Yeah. Now, we, of course, all those Northeastern teams wanted to go south in the winter some, so we'd have Miami in the conference, something like that, so we could be snowbirds for a couple days and get out of the cold. But those are my memories. It just went when I remember doing an interview for ESPN when Syracuse moved to the ACC and my thoughts on that. And it's just, it just does it didn't feel right with me then. still doesn't feel right with me now. That's the Atlantic Coast Conference. Yeah. Those are, they have their storied history. And I get it. It comes down to the almighty dollar. The revenue from football and everything like that, but 
Marquette Xavier, you know, they're not they're not Big East schools in my mind when I think of the Big East. And, and I thought it was so, and I know ESPN probably did it on purpose, but it was so poetic that after Bayhot's retirement, they're running that 30 for 30 about the requiem of the Big East and how it started and showing Coach Bayheim and Lou Carnesecca and Raleigh Massimino and all the all the greats and Patrick Ewing and Morning and Matumbo and AI, DC, Billy Owens. That's the big Monday games, always televised on ESPN. And that was that's why I chose to go play in Syracuse was to to to, to be in the Mecca of basketball at that time. Yeah. It's crazy. You know, it's crazy. And and listen, I I, I appreciate the Big East and I appreciate the schools individually. We're just talking about the history and what it sounds like when you hear Marquette Xavier playing for a championship in a conference that used to feature all these teams in the Northeast. That coming from JB Reef Snyder, Syracuse Orange Men's Basketball alum. JB, your final word that you have, I'm going to leave it open to anything. We talked about Autry, we talked about Bayheim, we talked about Big East, the history, your personal history. The the note that you want to leave with today, you and I will be talking plenty more, but just what you'd like to say today is your final word. Well, just a couple things, if you'll give me the time. Absolutely. One, one is, you know, I, I took a look at some numbers because I've heard a lot of criticism from some people lately that Coach had been past his time. He'd only won one championship in 47 years. And I just don't, I don't agree with, I don't like that kind of argument because I looked and only 15 teams out of 352 Division One teams have gone to the final four more than five times in the history of the NCAA. 15 out of 352. Coach has been there five times. So all those other programs, all those other coaches who've come and gone have not had level of success Coach had. And he has 1,116 wins. The NCAA can say they can vacate whenever they want to vacate. But he has 1,116.